This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Well, take your Bibles tonight and turn with me first of all to the book of Isaiah. I want to go there first. Um, we're going to be talking about some very um, serious issues tonight in our Bible study. And I hope that uh, I can count on you to participate in what we're going to embark upon. But our study is originating from James chapter 4, verse number 15. And we're talking about how to know God's will, how to find it. We've given you some very basic avenues to navigate through. Of course, you, you'll never find God's will without obeying him, without reading the word, without talking to him, without spending time in prayer. Those are some very elementary things. Those are, those are the have-tos or those are the givens. You've just got to be doing those particular things. Is that rain? How about that? I don't know if you guys at home can hear that, but uh, I hear it very distinctively. Even with my impairment, I, I can hear it. But, uh, and so there, there are very basic ways that we pursue God. David was a man after God's own heart. There are different ways that we pursue him. Probably we all have a different relationship with God. Um, some of us are camping near the cross. Some are following afar off. Some are um, taking it as it comes. And But some may be here tonight and maybe that are watching. You have a daily relationship with him, which I pray that's in your case. But probably one of the most disciplined means and measures to pursue the heart of God and to find his will is through the avenue of fasting. It's something that we have not probably heard much of. I know that I don't spend a majority of my ministry preaching or teaching on fasting. But I'm glad that in such a time as this, and God knew where we would be tonight on this particular subject. Um, and it's just a God thing that he would direct us to be at this place tonight for uh, the, the urgency that's at hand. And so it's just a confirmation that God is definitely in this. I'm going to read for you in Isaiah chapter 58 and verse number six. This passage, and I have referred to it over the last several Wednesday nights. And uh, this is sort of like the cornerstone. We've spent some time talking about the Daniel fast. I mentioned that to you Sunday. Tonight, we're going to be looking at the Ezra fast. And I'm going to be calling the church in a church-wide fast for Sister Lucille Leatherwood. And uh, I'm calling this, there is a combination of these two fasts that I'm putting together. And I'm taking some aspects out of the Daniel fast and out of the Ezra fast, and I'm putting them all together and calling it Lucille's fast. And I hope and pray that you will join us. I'm going to give you the specifics in just a moment of what we're going to be doing. I want to read the cornerstone verse, and then I'm going to give you some passages in Ezra, give you the background of what this is all about. 
Because you need to know this, that there are several different types of fast in the word. It's not like one fast fits all. There are, there are different aspects, different things, different fasts were designed to accomplish different things. And we are talking about a few of them in this particular study. I don't want to go endlessly on with this uh, because I do want to eventually get to verse 16 in James chapter 4. Uh, but uh, so I'm going to take about maybe five or six particular fast that I think would be very beneficial to you personally and collectively as in the church as well. But I want to look at Isaiah chapter 58, verse number six, and I'm going to read this passage of scripture and we'll have prayer and get into uh, the book of Ezra tonight. In Isaiah 58, verse six, the Bible says, is not this the fast that I have chosen? to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke. Is not, or is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and thou, that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house, when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. Verse 8, Then shall the light bring forth as the morning, and thy health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. Now, this particular fast, the Holy Spirit, we find in the word, here in Isaiah is designed to lift heavy burdens to help people overcome problems that would weigh us down and that would seriously affect our spirit. Now, I want I used this verse for the last few Wednesday nights and I wanted to do it again. I don't want to get away from the cornerstone. But I want you to turn with me to the book of Ezra and I want us to see, we're going to look at several scriptures here so you're going to need to find that place and you're going to need to write some things down. This is very important. I want to read for you a passage in just a few minutes, Ezra chapter 7, and I'm going to read, and I want you to patiently follow along with me. I'm going to read through verse number 8 through 28. Ezra 7, verses 8 through 28. And here in this story, Ezra had a very serious problem that he was faced with. He was carrying a very huge burden. And so I want you to think about those two particular things as we read this passage tonight. But in Ezra chapter 7, beginning in verse 8, and you're going to have to patiently read with me. These are important scriptures. And the Bible says in verse 8, And he came to Jerusalem, Ezra, he came to Jerusalem in the fifth month, which was in the seventh year of the king. For upon the first day of the first month began he to go up from Babylon. And on the first day of the fifth month, he came to Jerusalem according to the good hand of his God upon him. You remember Sunday we were preaching about the Lord is good? 
We took the scripture out of Nahum and we took the scripture out of the Psalms and here's a reflection of that as well. To the good hand of his God upon him. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Now this is the copy of the letter that the king or Artaxerxes gave unto Ezra the priest, the scribe, even a scribe of the words of the commandments of the Lord and of his statutes to Israel. Artaxerxes, king of kings unto Ezra the priest, a scribe of the law of God of heaven, perfect peace, and at such a time. I make a decree that all they of the people of Israel and of his priests and Levites in my realm, which are minded of their own free will to go up to Jerusalem, go with thee. For as much as thou art sent of the king and of his seven counselors to inquire concerning Judah and Jerusalem, according to the law of thy God, which is in thy hand, and to carry the silver and gold, which the king and his counselors have freely offered unto the God of Israel, whose habitation is in Jerusalem. And all the silver and gold that thou canst find in all the providence of Babylon, with the free will offering of the people and of the priest, and offering willingly for the house of their God, which is in Jerusalem, that thou mayest buy speedily with this money bullocks, rams, lambs, with their meat offerings and their drink offerings and offer them up upon the altar of the house of your God, which is in Jerusalem. And whatsoever shall seem good to thee and to thy brethren to do with the rest of the silver and the gold to do after the will of your God. The vessels also that are given thee for the service of the house of thy God, those deliver thou before the God of Jerusalem. And whatsoever more shall be needful for the house of thy God, which thou shalt have occasion to bestow, bestow it out of the king's treasure house. And I, even I, Artaxerxes the king, do make a decree to all the treasurers which are beyond the river, that whatsoever Ezra the priest, the scribe of the law of God of heaven, shall require of you, it be done speedily." unto a hundred talents of silver, unto a hundred measures of wheat, unto a hundred baths of wine, unto a hundred baths of oil and salt, without prescribing how much. Whatsoever is commanded by the God of heaven, let it be diligently done for the house of God of heaven. For why should there be a wrath against the realm of the king and his sons? Also, We certify you that touching any of the priests and Levites, singers, porters. Now, if you're not familiar with these next two words, the porter was someone who was assigned to some sacred duties in the temple. And then you get the Nethiums. That was also a temple assistant, but there were two different types of workers. That's what these two words are. So if you're taking notes in your Bible or you're writing some things down, maybe you've learned the definition of two biblical words you didn't know before. Or ministers of this house of God, it shall not be lawful to impose toll, tribute, or custom upon them. And thou, Ezra, after the wisdom of thy God that is in thine hand, 
set magistrates and judges which may judge all the people that are beyond the river, all such as know the laws of thy God and teach ye them that know them not. And whosoever will not do the law of thy God and the law of the king, let judgment be executed speedily upon him, whether it be unto death or to banishment or to confiscation of goods or to imprisonment. Blessed be the Lord God of our fathers, which hath put such a thing as this in the king's heart to beautify the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem and hath extended mercy unto me before the king and his counselors and before all the king's mighty princes. And I was strengthened as the hand of the Lord my God was upon me and I gathered together out of Israel chief men to go up with me. Now, Ezra was given the responsibility of a couple of things by the king. Number one, he was assigned to help restore the law of Moses. The children of Israel now coming out of captivity. He was also given a responsibility of participating in the rebuilding of Jerusalem in the temple worship, that aspect of it. You remember Nehemiah was designated to rebuild the walls. Ezra was assigned to rebuild the temple worship. And so the Jews, they were traveling back to Jerusalem out of captivity, and they were going to be very, very vulnerable on this journey. They were going to be very defenseless on this journey. They had a long way to go. They were going to be traveling through wilderness. They were going to be traveling through hostile areas. And they were traveling with every possession that they owned. Ezra knew that he was going to be facing very critical problems if he was going to be successful in this journey back to Jerusalem. Many of the Jewish people, many of the Hebrews, offered to go with Ezra on this trip. Ezra was elated. He was happy. He was thrilled that he had so much enthusiasm of the people. And he could look out among them and he could see the busyness. He knew what was going to lie ahead to some degree and then he knew that there was going to be great uncertainties, but he saw there was a stir, an emotion of the people. He was very excited about this. And as they were getting ready to go, he was assembling all the people and there was, they were getting ready to go back to Jerusalem. He noticed a very peculiar thing and it almost took his breath. It paralyzed him just for a moment. And all of the excitement and all of the anticipation, it's like being frozen in time. And this is what he noticed. If you look in chapter 8, verse number 15, And I gathered them together to the river that runneth to Ahava, and there abode we in tents three days. And I viewed the people, and the priest, and found there none of the sons of Levi. And, and that was very breathtaking and not in a good way. It was in a bad way because what that amounts to is this, that in everybody that had listed to go on the journey, there were no preachers. That really took him back. And so Ezra sent a message to Ido. He was sort of like the head of the Bible college of that day. If you can kind of, if that kind of helps you understand it a little bit. 
And he sent a message to Ido. And he was saying, I got a problem. I'm getting ready to take a big, big trip here. I don't have any preachers among us. And so verse 17, look at this. And I sent them with a commandment unto Ido, the chief at the place of Kasphia. And I told them what they should say unto Edo and to his brethren, the Nethiums, at the place of Kasphia, that they should bring unto us ministers for the house of God. And so when Ezra made this petition, about 220 junior preachers were sent to Ezra. So now Ezra, he's getting ready for the trip and he believes God is going to take care of them. He is going to meet their needs and provide for them. And he told the king this in verse number 21. Look at this. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Havava that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for our all our substance. And so Ezra knew that they were going to face imminent peril, imminent danger, and he wanted all of the hearts of the people to be right. He wanted God's direction. He wanted God's protection. Because you see here in this journey, they did not have the pillar of cloud and fire to guide them. It was simply a walk of faith. They were trusting God completely by faith. And so Ezra declared these things to the king and he made them very well known unto him. Now look at verse number 22. The word says this, for I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. That's verse 21, verse 22. For I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help against the enemy in the way because we had spoken unto the king saying, the hand of our God is upon all them for, for good that seek him, but his power and wrath is against all them that forsake him. And so Ezra here now making the journey, he's got his preachers, his junior preachers with him. He knows that the journey is going to be very difficult. It's going to take a lot out of everybody. Everybody had to participate. Everybody had to cooperate. Ezra did not want the people to doubt God. He did not want his faith, his own personal faith to be shaken. And so what Ezra did He fasted for direction and protection. There's a verse of scripture you might want to write down in your Bible, a reference in the New Testament along these lines because Paul speaks about this. He said in Philippians chapter four, verse number six, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. All right, now you still are in Ezra chapter 8. I want you to look at verse number 23. And so Ezra says, And so we fasted and besought our God for this, and he was entreated of us. Now, 
One of the things that I want you to be aware of is that there are personal fasts and then there are collective fasts. That's when we all get together and we are all fasting for the same thing. So when Ezra, you read this, so we fasted. Everybody in the camp was made aware of all the needs that were pressing before the people. All the things that they had to take into consideration. Ezra gathered all the people together and he said, we're going to fast. And so this was a collective fast. And so verse 23 teaches us, we read it again. So we fasted and besought our God for this. And notice this, and he was entreated of us. God was very pleased when the whole camp decided to fast and pray. And the prayer and fasting, it strengthened their faith in God. In fact, through through the fasting as a group, God gave them peace. So God was with them and protected them all the way to Jerusalem. Look at verse 31. Then we departed from the river of Ahavava on the 12th day of the first month to go into Jerusalem and the hand of our God was upon us and he delivered us from such the hand of the enemy and of such as lay in wait by the way. And we came to Jerusalem and abode there three days. All right, so God did answer the prayer. God blessed him along the journey and he did answer and work in this collective prayer of fasting. Now, here's the thing that I want you to see tonight. Again, number one, this was not a personal problem Ezra faced. The problems that were before him were all before the people. That's very important. Everyone faced it. You see, a private problem requires a private fast, but this wasn't a private problem. This wasn't a private situation. It was something that was affecting the whole group. And a group situation requires a group fast. And so when we think about Sister Lucille, she's been on this journey now for how long, Brother Neil? Two years. And she's had this prescription of treatment and medication and doctor visits and things have been up and down. It's been like a roller coaster. So here's where we are tonight with this thing. Because when one of us hurt, all of us hurt. We're in this together. All of us are in this together. I don't know if you think about this often, but do you know we're really family? You know, have you ever noticed we say brother and sister around here? You ever heard that before? See, we're all part of the family of God. We're brothers and sisters. When something affects one of us, it affects the family. Just in Ezra's situation, this whole thing was affecting the group, not just him, but it was affecting the whole group. And so we're going to go into this fast, and uh, I'm going to tell you about how we're going to do this in just a minute. You'll need to write this down if you 
so you don't get it wrong. The Daniel fast was about strictly healing and, and good health and for the digestive system. The Ezra fast here was for a group situation. They were all encountering the same problems. And so when I looked at this about two weeks ago, I said, you know, there's something in the Daniel fast and there's something in the Ezra fast that just reminds me of Lucille. We, we pray for healing for her. But if we go back to our scripture in James chapter four, verse number 15, if we isolate our prayer just for healing, then we're really not seeking the totality of God's will. Because God may be doing a number of things within her body, within her mind, within her spirit, and we can't isolate our prayer to one thing, and, and we have to keep that in mind. There are three specific attitudes towards fasting that I hope that you get tonight. Three specific attitudes. Number one, you cannot keep problems from happening. As I mentioned Sunday in my message, it just seems to be like a roller coaster of problems in and out, in and out, in and out. When you think about all the perspectives of life, there's always trouble of some sort. So you cannot keep ha problems from happening. Number two, you you cannot run from them and you cannot ignore them. You you can pretend all you want to, but you at the end of the day, they're there. So you can't run and you cannot ignore them. But the other attitude that we have out of fasting is this, that God can help us with our problems. God can help us solve them. We've seen that in this story tonight in the book of Ezra. And so we're facing a situation as a group. Now, on your prayer guide here, um, and, and I have thought about this much, I realize that there are a lot of names on this list. And I know, because I've been pastoring for almost 40 years, I know that there's somebody that's going to say, well, well why isn't this Linda's fast? Or why, why isn't this Aaron's fast? Or why isn't this Deborah's fast? Well, here's the thing. We're calling it Lucille's fast. That that helps us stay focused. But it doesn't change the fact that there are a lot of people who are standing in the need of prayer. This group of people affects all of us. This is, this is not my personal problem right here. These names on the list here is not anybody's, per this, is, this is our, this is our situation where we're praying for each and every one of these people. So no one on this list is more important than anybody else. I want you to know that there are no respecters with God, respecter of persons with God. But we're calling it Lucille's fast. Now, here's what I want to tell you. Our fast and Lucille's fast is going to be next Wednesday. And we are fasting for eight hours we're going to be fasting from 9 o'clock in the morning until 5 o'clock in the evening. 
Now, I want to remind you of something. If you have a physical problem and you're in question about those eight hours, say, for example, you, you have to have medication at lunchtime and you cannot take medication on an empty stomach. You have to have food three times a day. I'm not suggesting that we be foolish and jump into this thing and just say, I believe God. Of course, we believe God. But God said, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. We've been through the wisdom aspect in the book of James. So God doesn't want us to be foolish about it. So this is not something that you need to participate in. If you have to have food with medication and that kind of thing, you know what I'm trying to say. But if you are physically able to fast, this will be the fast. From nine to five, water or unsweetened fruit juice. That's going to be the fast. Water or unsweetened fruit juice. We're depriving ourselves of satisfying, delicious sweets and all kinds of... We're going to focus ourselves on prayer and trust in God. So those of you that cannot live without Twinkies, you have to just maybe not get involved in this fast. We're going to stay focused and we're going, fasting is a part of discipline. You discipline yourself. So we bring ourselves under discipline. So again, you can have water or unsweetened fruit juice, but no food and no Pepsi Colas and those kind of things from nine until five. Now, I want you to pray every hour, very specifically for Lucille. And Brother Neil, has she started her new treatment yet, the immunotherapy today? Okay. All right. We have no idea what that's going to eventually do. Uh, Brother David, that's what Teresa's on right now, and she's been on it ever since her surgery. It's worked in a great way for her on her behalf. But... And this is what I want you to pray. So you're getting the specifics now. You're getting the the day is next Wednesday. You're getting the time from 9 to 5. You know what we're going to limit ourselves to, water or unsweetened fruit juice. And I want you to pray every hour on the hour, those of you that can. Now, I'm not asking you to get yourself in trouble on your job. Those of you that work a job, don't don't stop and get down on the floor and cause a situation where you're going to, uh, reap the consequence. I'm not asking you to cause any trouble, lead a demonstration or anything like that. You just need, to, you can pray in your heart every hour on the hour. And I want you to pray for Lucille every hour on the hour. So Lucille, I know you're watching tonight. And so I want you to know that next Wednesday, every hour on the hour from nine to five, I, for one, and I'm challenging everyone that's here tonight and everyone that's watching by internet to pray, to call your name out before the Lord and to pray specifically for this. Because I don't know what God wants. I don't know what God will do. But I think we all can agree that we want God's will to be done. And so what we're going to do is this. I don't think that it would be 
wrong for us to pray for God to encourage her heart, to lift her spirit, to let modern means and medication and the skillful hands of doctors to achieve the maximum that they possibly can produce. And we ultimately rest everything in God's hands and say, God, you're in control. We cannot limit this prayer to one specific thing because we serve a great big God. He has a great big purpose and a great big plan for our life. And so I want you to remember that now, how do I, how do I mix the, the Daniel fast and the Ezra fast? Well, again, Daniel's fast was particularly for healing and it was mainly for the digestive system, but, but there is something that stands out particular to me about the Daniel fast. And in, in, in Daniel's situation, the Bible says that Daniel specifically prayed three times a day, morning, noon, and night, evening, what the word says. And so what I'm going to do is to ask you to do this, and this is not to be a respecter of persons and to slight anybody. And if you want to pray, if you want to have this prayer guide with you on next Wednesday, and every hour on the hour, call out Lucille's name and every name on here that I'm, go for it. I'm encouraging you to do it. If that's what God leads you to do. But what I'm going to be committed to do personally is I'm going to promise the Lord, promise myself that at least three times in the day, morning, noon, and evening, I'm going to call these other names out before the Lord. And I'm going to trust the Lord to do something special in all of these lives. Again, the Ezra fast was about a collective situation that the entire group had. And so we're praying for a lot of things in Lucille's life and her body. We're praying that the Lord will, would have his way, that his will would be done. And in the process of working out his will and accomplishing his plan and purpose for her, that he would encourage her, that he would give her peace, that he would give her strength and fortitude. And we, we have to, as a group, trust the Lord for that. Now, let me tell you this. Beyond everything that we've mentioned thus far, certainly we know everybody on this list here, that's the reason why they're on here is because there's a physical problem of some sort. So we know that there's a lot of physical healing that needs to take place. Maybe in some of these lives and circumstances, there's spiritual healing that needs to take place. But let me assure you of something that you can add to this fast is that our nation needs healing. America needs healing like we have never, ever, ever known. And so when you're thinking about Lucille and you're praying for her and then you're thinking about all of these others that appear on this prayer list, you pray for those that need physical healing, yes, those that might need spiritual healing, emotional healing, but we need national healing. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.